0: morning we're having this morning. Can we show our appreciation? If you haven't got a candle in your hand, it's going to be a bit difficult if you've got one. Show our appreciation to our our musicians. What a blessing they are to us as they've led us in singing carols. And I always love Christmas. I always love especially the carol service because, do you know, when we sing the carols, In essence, what we're doing is that we're singing about those first beginning moments of when Christ came into our world. We're singing in song and in carol that birth narrative that the Bible gives us about how Jesus came into our world. And much like the world that we're living in, he didn't come into a time of ease and comfort On the contrary, Jesus came into a time and God sent His Son into the world and began His purpose and His program to redeem man from their sin in the most horrendous time, really. Very often when we send our Christmas cards, it's hard to imagine the scenes of that first Christmas. But if any Christmas card was to depict that first moment when Christ came into our world, when God heralded good news Joy to the world through the angels. If it were to be depicted in picture form, I don't think any of us would dare send such a card because it would be so graphic and so awful and so damning. It was chaotic, the world that Jesus was born into. The moment when God started and initiated His saving program to redeem the world from its sin. For man to live and woman to live in communion and relationship with their heavenly Father. It was in a time that was not favorable. It was not an optimum moment. It certainly wasn't a season that we would have chosen to start such a glorious loving venture like this. And yet God, God sent his son. Whilst we were yet sinners, the Bible tells us, eclipsed by by darkness, he came into our world to be that everlasting light. And we've sung about that this morning in the carols that we've sung to God. And as I was singing them and just hearing you sing and the musicians sing, It really does take you into those beginning moments where you begin to understand that God doesn't just take on what's easy and what's comfortable and what's convenient. No, he comes right into the chaos, right into the middle of it and into the center of it. You read the Bible, you open it and you look at the promises and you find such hope, such peace, such comfort. You know, our first minister has mentioned that we're in a crisis, within a crisis. We're in a pandemic, within a pandemic. And those words may be very true, but they don't offer much hope. And when you look around in the world in which we live, there's not a lot of hope at the moment. From all of the news feeds and all of the the bits of information that we gather and collect as people because we want to be in the know. But I find in times like this, and I'm sure you do too, when you open the Word of God, there's everlasting hope. When you open the promises of God and you take them into your mind and your imagination and they, you, you, you allow them to take that six-inch journey from your head to your heart, you find comfort in the Scriptures. Why? Why? Because it's everlasting, that's why. And it lives forever. It's God's word to you and I. Christmas is a wonderful time. I received a text last night and it said Christmas is cancelled. No, Christmas is not cancelled. It's impossible to cancel the Christ of the Christmas. You can never cancel him. You can never wipe him out of the calendar. He's there eternally there. The Son of God, the Son of Man, He's there. Oh, Christmas may have changed this year to what we have traditionally known as Christmas, but it certainly isn't cancelled. He's an ever present God in times of trouble to give you help and strength and refuge. And even amidst all of the darkness and even amidst all of the confusion, for you as a child of God, there's peace that passes understanding God in your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus times may not be easy but I'm telling you now God hasn't given up on this world God hasn't given up on our lives he still looks and is with us and his smile is on us and how, how many know that 2021 is going to be a better year it is Where the grace and the mercy and the love of God flows through our land again. And the church of Jesus Christ is going to be a beacon of hope and a light in a dark place. Churches all over, all over this country and all over this world are going to be such beacons of hope and light. Amen. Christmas is a great, a great season where we take that time, that moment to go back to those early beginning moments of that first Christmas where God sent his son into the world. And over this week and next week, I'm going to be speaking about four messages that come from Christmas. We're going to take two of those messages today and then on into next week, we're going to take the remaining two. Four messages that come from Christmas. Four pointers that will encourage and strengthen you in this season. Four messages that give us confidence in our walk through this world. Four messages that bring security, that enable us to go into our future, the future that God has for us, and be a blessing not only to our own lives, but be a blessing to those who are struggling and confused. Four messages of Christmas. That's what we're going to be looking at today and next week. Let me give them to you. Think about these for a moment. The first message that I want us to think about that I see when I read that birth narrative of when Christ came into our world, when the angel visited Mary, the first message that comes up to us to encourage us this morning is that is of how God displays his favor in the most unfavorable of places. God displays his favor in the most unfavorable of places. It's what he does. It's who he is. And it's a wonderful message for us to think about when we look at those beginning moments as we turn to the Bible. Because God never looks The conditions in which we live. God never looks at the environment that we've grown up under. God's pleasure and God's favor. Irrespective of where you are or who you are. God's favor and God's pleasure is drawn to our weakness. Is drawn to our vulnerabilities. Is drawn to the outcast. And the disenfranchised. We see this happening at Christmas and we'll see it this morning. God's favor is displayed in all of the places where we think that we would not find it. And secondly, another message that we find, another thought, another pointer that we find arising out of this early beginning moment. Of when Christ was coming into our world is that God gives direction in the midst of distress. Huge changes were happening within the culture and within the society when God was planning to bring Jesus into the world. Huge shifts. People weren't secure, people were confused. People were suspicious. People were fearful of the times in which they lived, much like the time in which we lived. And yet God, God came and gave direction even in the midst of distress, comforting Mary and Joseph on through, enabling them to perform his plan and will for their lives. Even amidst all of the distress, even amidst all of the darkness, God was there. It's an encouraging message for you and I because God still directs us in our distressing times. Then thirdly, next week, we'll see how God encourages us to use our faith in the faiths of fear. Fear is not going to have the final say in your life or my life. Not because we're strong, but because God has not given us a spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind. And that very spirit rises up within you so strong, so powerfully, not arrogantly, but rises up within you to contend with every fear. You're not going to be at a stranglehold to fear. Or held hostage by it. No. The strong power of his spirit within you. Will deal with every fear. And God will encourage you to use your faith. Place your trust in him. And it may seem such a small faith. Such a minute faith. Jesus said our faith can be like just like a, a tiny mustard seed. But oh the power of such faith despised, trodden down on by others, but you hold that little seed of faith in your heart knowing that as you place it in God and His Word and what He said to you, knowing that you face that mountain of fear, that mountain of challenge, that mountain of impossibility. And as you place your faith in God's Word with simplicity and wholeheartedness, that mountain is moved. We'll see that next week. You're going to have to come back next week or watch it online. Then finally, we'll look next week at how God provides light to overcome darkness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He always turns the lights on. He really does. These are the four messages that we're going to look at. The beginning moments of when Christ was coming into our world. Moments that God used. Moments that were confusing in many senses, but God cut a path on through to make it all possible. The impossible was made possible. Why? Because God was at the center of it, making it happen. Be encouraged this morning as we think about these aspects of what God has done in the past. Draw comfort and strength and allow the Holy Spirit to impregnate your soul and your heart with hope. Because not only is he a God of the past, but all his glory spans all moments of time, past present, and future. As the writer to the Hebrew said, he is the same, Jesus Christ. Yes, today, yesterday, yes, and forever. He changes not. And his disposition to us is unchanging. It really is. But let's think for a moment. about this first message that comes to us of how God displays His favor in the most unfavorable of places. You know, we heard Suzanne read to us so wonderfully about those first meeting moments when Gabriel visited Mary in Nazareth. And it's amazing how the conversation starts. There's no introduction, really. Gabriel doesn't turn up and, you know, pass his calling card out to Mary and try to impress her with who he is. No, he's on an errand from God. The most important message is about to break into her world, break into her heart. And by the end of it all, she would say, be it done unto me according to thy word. Behold the maidservant of the Lord as she obediently gave her body and her life over to the purpose of God. But the greeting begins, rejoice, he says. What an incredible, startling introduction. Rejoice. Now you only begin to understand the the contradiction of these words when you begin to Look into where she was at the time when the angel came to her. She was in Nazareth. She had a humble home there in Nazareth, and Nazareth had an awful reputation—the city that Mary was in—an awful reputation of nothing good ever coming out of it. And that's where the that's where Gabriel came to. He came to a city where nobody else would have gone to announce great news. Nothing good comes out of Nazareth. It hasn't got a future. If you live in it, then your past is no good, really. Your present isn't much either. And on beyond, into your future, you're not going anywhere because you're in this dead-end city and the community and the city and the people of it lived under the shadows of that heavy, suppressive negativity. The city that nothing ever good comes out of. And yet, God goes to all the wrong places. He does all of the wrong things in our mind because he goes right to the very place where nobody would have expected him to go unless they'd have understood prophecy that had been spoken many thousands of years before. Everybody was thinking about Jerusalem being the centerpiece. Commerce, religion, strength, might. It was all centered in that city. Nobody was visiting Nazareth. That had no prominence in anybody's mind. It was a place that you bypass, and yet, Gabriel goes there. And he says, rejoice. Now Mary could have turned around and said, rejoice. Rejoice. Don't you understand what I'm living in? Don't you understand what I've grown up under? Don't you understand what's around me? Rejoice. It's amazing, isn't it, that every word of God always brings you to a point of decision as to whether you're going to believe it or whether you're going to reject it. it. God will always do this. She didn't reject it. She received it. Rejoice, he says. We could come into our time today and think, Do you know what? It's hopeless. And on the face of things, it is hopeless. People are losing hope. But to the church, to his people, I believe we can receive instruction from this intervention this morning, this beginning moment where Gabriel visits Mary. I believe it's a season that we to rejoice. Yes, it's hard. Yes, we don't understand everything. Yes, there's been sudden changes that, that have been made that have caused disappointment and plans to change. And, but we don't ever want to lose that spirit that rejoices, that rises up above the circumstance over the crisis. Paul would later say of this wonderful spirit in which you can live, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Over this season of many changes, let's not give up on that wonderful promise and portion that is ours, whereby above the crisis, above and amidst all of the circumstances, we can give thanks to God. Because this is the will of God in Christ Jesus to us. Nazareth had an awful reputation. What reason was there to rejoice? And yet the angel came in and began to speak to her about the plan and the purpose that God had for her, her lowly life. Her humble spirit had attracted the attention of God and now he was going to use her as his vessel to bring Christ the Savior into the world to save his people from their sins. And she was troubled by this statement. She was troubled by the fact that a conversation was being had with her that she was highly favored by God. God's with you. The angel assures her. And she's troubled by it. Why? Because there was an obvious contradiction. And the contradiction was she was growing up in a dead end place that had an awful reputation and now clashing against that situation and circumstance and environment that she was in was coming, the good news. Rejoice! God's with you. His favor's on you. She's troubled by it. But the angel begins to explain the great commission that was hers to bring Jesus into the world and she accepts and embraces it. God, Was revealing his favor. God was displaying his glorious pleasure and glorious favor in the most unfavorable of places when Gabriel went to Nazareth. So when we look at this moment, when we understand how God works and God operates, It brings us great encouragement for this reason. And this is one of the messages that come from this moment where God came into Nazareth to visit Mary. It's this, he still does the same today. He really does. Listen to the Apostle Paul as he pictures how God comes into our lives Our lives that are very much like Nazareth. But when taken up by God and cared for by him, they become precious. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 26 to 31. Paul is talking about the Nazareth of life that God has chosen. Listen to his words. He says this. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. Powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. God has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy and he freed us from sin. Therefore, the script—therefore, as the scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only in the Lord. You read those beginning moments of when Gabriel announced that those glad tidings that Mary would bring forth the Christ child into the world. Oh, on from that moment, this wonderful lady had nothing to boast with. Her song, The Magnificat, is a a song dedicated to the glory of God. She didn't boast. She only raised the fact that she was from a humble beginning, despised by many. Her boast was in the Lord because... He had visited her and our boast too, as Jesus has been conceived in our heart and we have been born again, is nothing of ourselves, is it? But it's of Him. Now the, the next amazing message that comes to us, if God visits us with His favor in the most unfavorable places of life, the next message that comes to us that we hear from this first Christmas scene is how God gives direction in the midst of distress. And here now we turn our minds to Joseph. And Pascaline read wonderfully from Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 1, and she brought us into the very Scene where Joseph must have been in terrible distress. He's been espoused to Mary, his bride, and in that culture, when they committed to be engaged to one another, it was as good as marriage. Legally, they were bound to one another. The only the only final Act of marriage was when they would it cons- uh, as a married couple couple. but when they were espoused to one another and all of the legal requirements were in place, they were as good as married. but yet but they hadn't consummated the marriage yet. And suddenly he finds out that the bride, his espoused wife that he loved, is pregnant, the one that he had talked about regarding the future, the one that he had had conversation with about all of the wonderful things that they could be together. Suddenly, this comes from nowhere into his plan and into her plan for their lives, and it must have just been The most awful situation to face, to feel in his emotions suddenly. Their lives are ripped apart. Talk about distress. I mean, how do you explain to someone, I'm pregnant, but I've retained my virginity. And the child that's being, the baby that's being conceived in me, in my womb, is the living God. How do you have that conversation with somebody? But in essence, that was the conversation that Mary had to have with Joseph. And you see the distress that this man is in. Let me read it to you again. Matthew chapter 1, verse 19 to 21 says this, Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and he did not want to disgrace her publicly so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, you see, this is where God begins to bring direction in the midst of the most distressing moment in Joseph's life, Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins the message from Joseph's life the message from this beginning moment of Christmas is not a comfortable one it's not one where ease is laid out and the plan is all clear it's a distressing one but even in amidst the distress God through, through his angel brings direction To Joseph and today our situations of life are all different. Some of us today may feel in a place of distress. Some of us today may feel alone and battling with all kinds of circumstances like a swirling pool around us. I want to encourage you that in the midst of emotional distress, in the midst of circumstantial distress, in the midst, in fact, of any life-distressing situation, God will bring direction. He really will. Have you ever found that life is not like a straight line? The journey of life. It would be great if it was, wouldn't it? Very often... You know, those dot-to-dot pictures that we used to do when we were kids. Where the line from one to two is straight, but every other line after it, joining all the numbers, are all over the page. And there seems to be no order, no semblance, no coming together of the picture. Life's like that. But you know, for the believer, the child of God, we know that God works all things together for good to those that love God and called according to his purpose. I guarantee, I guarantee you, whether it's this side of heaven or the next side, one day we'll be able to look back and see the sovereign hand of God knit all of those situations and crises and circumstances together and praise and applaud will be given to the Lord who is sovereign over all. Life wasn't a straight line for Joseph or Mary. We're going to continue next week and we will see full well that it wasn't. But the beautiful thing is this. In the midst of all of the complexity, you never hear a complaint. This man, as we've read, was willing to not shame his wife, but quietly and privately break off the engagement so that her reputation would be saved. Under the law, she would have had to have been stoned legally. But this man, caringly, protected her in this season. Do you know distress sometimes can cause you to make decisions that you later regret? They really can. The pressure of distress... The pressures of life can cause us to make decisions that we later regret, but you know what? If we just, like Joseph, consider. Don't act impulsively. Don't be moved by the, 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 the pressures of distressing emotions that are occurring around you and maybe in you. Consider. Consider. And as you consider, direction will come. Just like it did for this man. I'm gonna ask Wayne to come, and Wayne's gonna sing, and the musicians are gonna come, and we're gonna sing just before we close our service today. But as they come, I wanna I wanna to read to you from Psalm 119. David, King David, found that life was distressing. When you read the Psalms, you, you see such a mixture of life and emotions and all kinds of crises swirling around. A young shepherd boy, and then a, a, a growing soldier, and then even as a reigning king, with all power under him, life didn't stop. At any point, life didn't become straight and easy and orderly. When he was a shepherd a young soldier or even a king even when he was in his palace at Jerusalem life was still as complex it doesn't matter where you are in life whether rich or poor it's never a straight line and it's never easy it can be distressful but the wonderful thing is whether rich or poor into the distresses of life the word of God comes because he loves us and he directs us on through David said this, Psalm 119, a a, a verse I love, and I'm sure you do too. Verse 105, David said this, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. There's a lot of words in our world, in this physical world. And in the world that we can't see, a lot of words praying and pulling and trying to hold us back. But there's one word, one word, God's word. It will never fail. It will never fail. David said, it's a lamp and a light. Why? Why did he use those two aspects to illustrate God's word? I'll tell you why. This is my opinion anyway, because life sometimes is very dark. But even in the midst of all of the darkness, even in the midst of all of the distress, believer, there's a light for your feet. There's a lamp. There's a lamp for your path, and it will take you on through. Don't forget. Don't forget. This Christmas, rejoice. Rejoice. Highly favored of the Lord. Listen, listen. It gets better. Christ is in you, the hope of glory. You're special to Him. Amen. God bless you. Let's listen.